We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to episode number 14 of Fantasy Bites. I'm your host, Joe Bartle. There's been a number of high-end fantasy players injured to start training camp, and I think it's probably time to take a peek at at least a few of the recent ones and go over what we're thinking for them and maybe their ADPs. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Number three. We're starting first with my man, my UW-Madison guy, Melvin Gordon. Of course, uh, listeners out there know that I also am the Chargers beat writer for Rotoware, so I feel like I have a, a pretty good idea of who Melvin Gordon is. I've watched basically all the Chargers games over the last five years, uh, and I've been a fan of him throughout college. So uh, his injury, he removed from Thursday's practice with, quote-unquote, tweaked ribs. He didn't practice Friday at all for the AFC West rival Broncos. And, of course, that contract looms large after his holdout last season. I understood at the time why Melvin Gordon was going for that. He seemed to be this player that really could do everything, pass catching, running the ball. Um, at times, he was overshadowed by Austin Eckler, but we all thought, at least entering 2019, Eckler is more of a change of pace guy. That completely was disproven really right away from the get-go, but certainly for those first three weeks when Eckler was getting 18 to 20 of the targets and, and carries for the Chargers and was one of the top fantasy assets, or not if the top fantasy asset during that time, Gordon came back and really wasn't all that good. I, I mean, like you could talk about how he did score eight touchdowns. That's great. He scored 47 touchdowns over the past four years. That's a really great quality. Over 40 catches last year too. Didn't do a lot with it. He's had one season, one season, over four yards per carry, and he's been getting plenty of touches throughout his time as a first-round pick with the Chargers. They had every every reason and incentive to make it look like he's a stud running back, and we really never got to see that. Austin Eckler was 
definitely the better player of the two. And frankly, as a guy that's been watching it, the Chargers for many years has been the player, better player for the past two or three seasons. I'm concerned about what Melvin Gordon's workload is, even with this injury. But the fact that he's had this injury, he's going to miss now two days of practice. And there was reports surfacing, uh, I have to make sure, from Jeff Legwood of ESPN saying, hey, he's not adjusting well to the the air in Denver, which is weird because he plays in Denver at least once a season for the past five years. You would think the altitude would be no problem for it, but here we are. Those all kind of bundle up for me as a, a third round running back right now. His current ADP is about the third or fourth round in 12 team formats when he's going to be splitting the load. Philip Lindsay had over a thousand rushing yards now for back to back seasons. I, I don't see how the Broncos choose to give Gordon 60 or 70 percent of the workload unless they are just trying to justify the contract which makes no sense to me i get it uh people are going to point to the pass catching numbers for gordon to make sure he sticks around he has had 150 catches or so over the last three seasons with the chargers combined of course i do think it's the los angeles scheme that makes that more uh, more accessible for him to get those opportunities obviously austin eckler is a proven commodity at the pass catching area but people who want to say gordon is the stud at uh, pass catching. You have to look at what the Chargers do, and especially Phillip Rivers, how often he targeted the running backs. It's not just the quarterback. Again, I, I really think the Chargers scheme is part of the reason why Gordon was getting so many of those opportunities. But you can't tell me he's that much better of a receiver than Philip Lindsay, who hasn't gotten all that many opportunities, but did have uh, less yards per reception than Gordon has throughout his career. So that's one thing. But Gordon, Gordon's main bread and butter right is his ability to score touchdowns again I said earlier 47 touchdowns over the past four years his rookie season he had zero that was kind of a big talking point and then had 10 8 10 uh and eight again for just rushing touchdowns able to do a little bit more with his receptions the thing I get a little bit concerned with uh he Gordon converted about 40 percent of his touches within 10 yards of the end zone for a touchdown throughout his career throughout the last two years about 40 percent of the touches within the 10 yards or so he has touched on Philip Lindsay in that same category is about 35%. That's where I see the difference being made. If you're going to say Gordon is going to get the majority of the carries, I disagree. But if you're going to say Gordon gets the majority of the red zone opportunities, yes, that's true. Now, what does the Broncos offense look like with Drew Locke? It probably remains to be seen. They have a lot of different pass catchers that they drafted. Cortland Sutton's uh, certainly an emerging guy as well, too. There, there's a lot of different options there. So they might not even have to focus on running the ball, but if they do, I think Philip Lindsay actually makes a lot of sense at splitting the carries and Gordon gets more of the work towards the red zone. What does that mean for fantasy? Well, certainly Gordon not being a third round kind of guy, but I think it also hurts Philip Lindsay's value too as a thousand yard rusher who he can get in the seventh or eighth round. That seems great. When in reality, he probably is going to get at least less work to make him uh, as a high end backup. And I, that that's just too high for seventh round right now for his category. The injury already I mean the injury makes it easier for me to fade Melvin Gordon and I was already going that direction as a guy that's going in the third round anyway so uh didn't practice Thursday again with those bruised ribs is already having issues dealing with the altitude in Denver and and I think I want completely out of that number two let's move over to a different AFC West injury Tyreek Hill he had a minor hamstring injury uh the Chiefs are being taking precautions or they're yeah they're cautious with their star receiver I completely get it Sammy Watkins is having his uh, every week injury situation going on right now missing practice time with a groin injury so it's kind of a Mikkel Hartman and then everything else that you'd expect with the, the Chiefs offense 
This isn't the first time that Tyreek Hill has had an injury. He missed all but six, six snaps last year. If you guys remember that Azteca Monday night game against the Chargers, Phil Rivers completely choked at the end and threw just a disgusting interception. Chiefs won 24-17, but Hill played just six snaps of that game and then was out. He had an MRI. Everything was fine. He came back from a bye injury or bye week, and that was great. But he did also miss four weeks with that shoulder injury. This is part of the issue with targeting a guy as small as Tyreek Hill at 185 pounds, 5'10". He's going to be more susceptible to injuries. It's the same reason why we were all a little bit skeptical of Tariq Cohen last year. Cohen didn't get hurt, but he just was ineffective in that Bears offense. Those smaller guys, it's really hard. And and you look at Marquise Brown, right? Uh, He's had to ingest, it feels like, 50 pounds of uh, protein, but in particular peanut butter based off the diet that he was uh, tweeting about the other day, just to be able to get to the same weight that Tyreek Hill is. I think you can still say Tyreek Hill is a top five fantasy wide receiver, and certainly he's being drafted as such. But if you're already starting out training camp with a hamstring injury, I think I'm going to push you down a little bit further uh, with Julio Jones ahead of him. I still want Tyreek Hill in front of maybe like an Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay, uh, certainly Chris Godwin as well, but even even an Odell Beckham too in standard scoring. I, I want Hill in front of all those guys. But Julio Jones and Hill were pretty close to me in the, in the middle of the second round. I'm taking Julio now every time. I, I just get a little bit spooked with the fact that he has another hamstring injury. We know it's a notorious injury to try to recover from, or maybe just as a Packers fan, I'm aware of that because Clay Matthews had that every other day. Uh, but as a guy that really depends on being good with his speed, he's a good route runner, but the speed is the huge part of it. Being limited with an injury that drastically affects that speed it makes me just a teensy bit skeptical. So Tyreek Hill missing practice with that mild hamstring. At least the Chiefs are qualifying it as mild, and we've seen beat, report, beat reporters since say, oh, okay, yeah, he's, he's going to be fine in a little while. We know that beat reporters don't have that much information this year in the COVID-19 era, and it's, in fact, why we've seen such little reports out there. All the injuries that have happened have just been mild things or whatever else. Devonte Adams left time. Nick Chubb had a concussion, right? It's very easy to poo-poo it when the media is not able to have access to these players as well. Just be wary. Just be wary of that mid-second round price. I don't want most of the running backs there either. Uh, in that second round range where Hill's ADP is going, the Josh Jacobs of the world, uh, Kenny Drake, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, they're all gone, and that's who I'd probably rather have at this point in drafts. Just be careful if you're trying to invest in Hill, and this is coming from a guy who has at least three shares of Tyreek Hill thus far in the season. Number one. The final injury that uh, bears monitoring, this happened a little bit earlier this week, Miles Sanders is being labeled week to week with the good old hockey lower body injury status. We saw the Eagles also classify Boston Scott in the same manner, and Philadelphia has been excellent at taking advantage of the lack of ability for reporters to do their job, right? Because at this point, if a guy that's in the top 10, top 12 ADP of fantasy is going to be out week to week with something, we would generally know what type of injury it is. If it's a toe injury, fine. I'm, I'm not so much worried about Miles Sanders and a toe injury. Uh, turf toe can be a problem. Of course, we saw Devontae Adams with that last year. But if it's a toe injury, it's fine. That's the lower body. It's a groin injury, hamstring injury, something like that. I have a lot more question marks. And and that's kind of why Miles Sanders is sliding drastically, in my opinion. I was taking Miles Sanders ahead of Aaron Jones, who I'm very concerned with his production after the Packers selected A.J. Dillon in the second round. Now I think Aaron Jones is definitely going to be a guy I'm taking ahead of Sanders. Uh, even if this gets cleared up, there was already concerns with Miles Sanders for me 
as a late first round guy. I mean, you look at how the Eagles have utilized the running backs in the past. Last season, when everyone was healthy, Sanders was seeing around 40 to 50% of the snaps. That's it. And okay, people are going to say, oh yeah, well, Jordan Howard was there, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, all those guys. Of course they were going to use it. They don't have any of those guys this year. Okay, that's fair. But if Sanders was the most talented guy, why wouldn't they have been trying to utilize him in that capacity last season? Well, it's because the Eagles like to have these running backs by committee. And I, I do not understand if all things work out the way the Eagles want them to, Sanders is not getting any more than 50 to 60% of the snaps at most. That's it. And I get it. They don't have a lot of guys. Boston Scott, again, currently injured right now. They still have Corey Clement, but there's a lot of other question marks at that running back spot. Elisha Holyfield is probably the next best guy. And it's also why the Eagles were sniffing around Devonta Freeman. I completely understand all of that. There should be no reason that he's going ahead of a Nick Chubb or Josh Jacobs who have guaranteed roles. I get it. Some people are concerned about Chubb and Hunt. That's a different conversation. But we know what we get out of those guys, whereas Miles Sanders, in a perfect world, is not touching the ball very frequently. Last season, after week 11, when they basically had to turn to Miles Sanders as the guy because we had Jordan Howard injured, uh, Darren Sproles was basically in retirement already at that point, he was getting 80, 85% of the snaps. He still had only three games over 100, 100 total yards, including his receiving and rushing, just three games. Boston Scott, in that same time period, two. Two. Where does the optimism come from for Miles Sanders is beyond me. And the fact that you have to imagine, although through the early portions of training camp, that might be not the case, the Eagles are going to have less injury problems, right? Like the, the only reason they had to use Boston Scott and Miles Sanders as much as they did is because 90% of their offense was injured, including the quarterback too, Carson Wentz towards the end. I, I'm very concerned that the lack of opportunities is going to be there with the running back by committee the Eagles would like to run. And the defense is going to get better too, which is going to limit the amount of per play per game snaps the offense might see overall. And that's the biggest area. Again, the offense was injured. We're already seeing with Boston Scott, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders all week to week with injuries. They're hurting, but the defense looks to be improved. It certainly can't be as injured and, and as bad as it was last year. That's going to take away opportunities as well. And the Eagles invested a lot, a lot this offseason in getting speed outside threats for Carson Wentz to use. Let's say, for example, Deshaun Jackson gets back to, uh, I don't know, uh, the Buccaneers The Buccaneers version of Deshaun Jackson can still get around 800 to 850 receiving yards and make big plays. There's going to be less plays just because they're hitting on those big touchdown passes. You're going to be taking away five to six snaps. That's, that's a big concern for me. So I, I'm fading Miles Sanders as well, and this week-to-week injury thing is a big concern for me. That does it for us on episode 14 of the show. Special thanks to the Racing Pulses, as always, for lending their music to the show. Hopefully less injury news is going to be on the way for fantasy football fans, although, hey, a couple more weeks yet to go before the start of week one. We're already there. That's right. We're cruising through the month of August. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week. 